episode number 122 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Hey, welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Standard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. On this episode, I'm going to continue in my list of top 10 mistakes that small businesses make when they're trying to find new customers. In addition, I'm going to give you a couple of really simple solutions to each one of these mistakes. So just follow the guide and customers will actually come to you. Makes it really, really easy. By the way, the episode is brought to you by the leadersinstitute.com. So for details about leadership development and how to create a team culture, visit www.leadersinstitute.com. And if you have questions or comments for me, then you can tweet me at Doug Stannard or contact me via the website. All right, so let's get on with today's topic. So today I'm continuing with the top 10 small business lead generation mistakes. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first five, there's some really good information in there. So make sure and go listen to that one first, because this kind of picks right up where we left off last week. So the next big mistake that entrepreneurs and small business owners make when they're trying to find new customers is what I call salesperson fangs. So this mistake is absolutely the most annoying. It will drive customers away in droves. Be very, very careful about this one. It occurs when someone out of genuine interest, or in some cases, they're just being kind, asks us a question about what we do for a living. And in response, the entrepreneur or the or the small business owner or the salesperson spends the next 15 minutes talking about himself or how the listener can needs his product or service. Just because your job comes up in conversation doesn't always scream client or sale. So oversharing about your company can actually turn people off and leave them with an awful impression of you and also of your business. Small businesses may be desperate for customers in business, but you never want to let other people know that you're desperate. Your client base and your network will grow in time. So stay confident in your venture and everything else will kind of follow. That is, if you're putting behind the, the hard work to, to kind of get there. Instead, what I suggest that you do is become genuinely interested in the people that you meet. Let them do a lot of the talking. Let them tell you about how great they are. Take notes of what they tell you. You may find the owner of the next Zappos or the owner of the next Amazon as you kind of network. In fact, as you network more, you may also find prospective customers for the people that you just met. And when that happens, all you really have to do is just introduce those two parties to each other. And now you become a center of influence. Zig Ziglar was a famous motivational speaker. He used to say that if you help enough other people become successful, you can't help but become successful yourself. So keep that in mind as you're networking and as you're meeting new people, get rid of the salesperson fangs. The next mistake that a lot of small business owners make is what I call casting your pearls before swine. So just so you know, I'm not calling your prospects or your prospective customers swine, by the way. I'm just saying that most small business people spend way too much time with people who they think are prospects 
but who have absolutely no chance of ever buying something from them. So in order to be a good prospect for you, then the, the person that you're talking to or the person that you're you're spending your time with has to have resources to buy from you. And then they also have to have the authority to buy from you. So don't spend a lot of time and effort building a reputation amongst people who aren't in and will never be in your market. Find where your market gathers and then build your reputation there. Uh, i give you a good example of this. Before the pandemic, I, I spent um, the last few weeks of 2019 analyzing my company sales for, from that year. And I made a fascinating discovery. My, my sales team had a conversion rate of over 80% for group sizes of over 150 people. So if somebody was looking for a team building activity or for some type of leadership development, if it was a really big group, we closed almost 80% of those things. In contrast, the team was only closing about 14% of the inbound leads from group sizes that were fewer than 30 people. However, we were spending most of our time every single week trying to close these small deals. So we were spending the most amount of time on the market that was least likely to actually buy from us. So once we figured this out, we started using our, our CRM software, you know, like the constant contact, that kind of thing, to automatically follow up with that type of request, the small group type of request. And once we did, our revenue increased dramatically. Our sales team now uses their time to follow up with customers who are most likely to buy from us. And if the small group requester wants additional information, he or she will typically respond to one of the emails that gets sent from our CRM. And now our sales guy is only focusing on the small groups that are likely to turn into more business. You can do the same thing with, with your CRM system. You can do the same thing with the people that you're following up with. Figure out who your real ideal client is and then focus on following up with those people and you're going to increase your revenue pretty dramatically. So mistake number eight that small businesses make when they're trying to find new customers is giving a pitch, a sales pitch, instead of solving a problem for your potential customers. Most people walk into a sales meeting or a sales call with a pitch in mind. The meeting sounds something like this. Thanks so much for meeting with me today. Let me start by telling you how we can help you because my company is the very, very best at and then fill in the blank, right? So before the prospect has even identified a problem or a need that, that she has, the pitch starts. So we verbally jump all over the person with features and benefits about how great we are and how great our product is and how great our company is. Remember that a successful entrepreneur is one who solves problems for his or her clients and customers. So spend less time talking about yourself and ask more questions about the prospect. You'll gain the best results by listening instead of talking. The more you let your prospective customer talk, the more you can learn. And then you'll also be able to tweak your sales pitch to kind of fit their needs. So if you demonstrate how your company can solve her problems and fit her needs, guess what? She'll buy from you. So instead, try an opening some similar to this. Hey, so thanks for meeting with me. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions so I have a better idea of what we should be talking about? And then follow up with another question. What are some of the frustrations that you currently have with your whatever it is that you're offering, right? So let the, let the prospective client tell you about her problems. Then 
Once you have a list of these challenges, now show her how you can eliminate those challenges if she works with you. By the way, here is a good example of how I saw this happen very recently. A few weeks ago, I had a custom suit salesperson call me, right? This is at cold call out of the blue. Somebody called me on my cell phone saying, hey, would you like a custom suit? Now, I've been a professional speaker for a couple of decades, but to be honest, I have never actually purchased a custom tailored suit. To me, it almost seemed kind of like pretentious, right? So typically what I'll do is I'll go to the department store, I'll find a suit in my price range, I'll wait for somebody to measure me, I'll pay for the suit, and then wait a few weeks to pick it up. And inevitably, something will be not quite right with the suit when I go to pick it up. So then I have to wait a few more weeks for the corrections. And the the process is is fairly expensive and fairly time consuming. Well, this salesperson started the conversation by just saying, hey, just out of curiosity, are you to a point where you are beginning to wear suits more when you go out and speak? And by the way, um, that was a good question to ask because during the pandemic, during the last couple of years, for the most part, I've been wearing blue jeans most days, right? So however, however, now I'm beginning to speak more in front of professional groups again. This is starting to happen over and over again. So her first question kind of hit home with me. By asking that question, she got me to see a problem that I kind of knew I had, but I hadn't really thought about. So this is how this is how she followed up. She said something like, well, many of my customers have had cha- changes in their body type and size during the pandemic as well. And I that hit home with me as well because I have put on the, what do they call it, the COVID-19 or whatever it is, right? So put on a few pounds in the last couple of years. Uh, my point is that I eventually bought a custom suit from this salesperson. And I, but it was a great solution for me because I saved myself probably about three hours of my time. And I ended up with the best fitting suit that I've ever owned. She asked questions in order to get me to see that I had a problem that I didn't even know I had. And then she offered me a solution that reduced my risk of making a change. If you do that for your customers, they're going to love you and they're going to be more likely to buy from you. So the last two mistakes that we're going to cover are really closely related. Mistake number nine that small business people make when they're trying to find new customers is what I call no follow-up. And that means for, especially for web visitors and leads that you get when, you, when you're networking, that kind of thing. By the way, this has always been a big problem with face-to-face meetings. You know, basically an entrepreneur, small business owner goes to a, a, a business card exchange or something like that, collects a business card from a prospect, and then just doesn't do anything with it. <laughs> the card sits on his or her desk, and, and then we look at it for two or three, four days or weeks or months, and then ended up end up tossing it in, in the trash. You'd be shocked at the number of people who think that the value of going to a business card exchange lies in the number of cards that the person collects. It's it's kind of like, look, I've collected over a thousand business cards. Whoopee, right? Really? What did you do with them? Oh, I put them in this nice box. And someday I'm going to go through them and do something with them. I, I, I had a guy start up a conversation with me on an airplane once, and he was a special forces guy who now works as a consultant for foreign allies of the United States on protection details. Fascinating guy. Just so you know, when I get on a plane, typically I've just taught a class or something. I just want to kind of be myself. This guy got me to open up, though. He asked me questions and asked me what I did. Um, And he he had a fascinating story himself. As I told him 
What I did, though, uh, he mentioned that once he officially retired, which he was talking about doing later in that year, I guess the guy was probably in his early 30s, mid 30s, which I thought was shocking that he was going to be retiring at such an early age. He said he would love to be a speaker for my company. So he asked me for my business card and I gladly gave it to him thinking that yeah, maybe in the next couple of months or you know six months when he retired, he may give me a call. However, I never heard from him. Uh, and mis- many business people fall into this trap. And uh, in the digital age, though, this mistake is even more challenging when website visitors request information. They expect instant gratification. Somebody comes onto your website, they fill out a web form or they call you on your phone number and they request information, the faster that you follow up on these website requests, the more customers you'll have to work with. For instance, if you look at most website statistics, you'll see a number of what they call page views, which is basically just the number of pages on your website that people have looked at in any given month. This number is always a big, huge, well, I mean, if you've got a a popular website, anyway, it's going to be a big number. But then if you compare it to the number of people who actually request information from you or buy from you, the latter part is kind of microscopic in comparison. So you have to get a ton of people actually viewing your page in order to get one person to actually request information from you. So these leads, these requests for information are very, very valuable, but more often than not, The big difference in the numbers really comes because we don't make it really easy for people to request information. We don't make it easy for people to fill out a form and contact us. And then when they do, if it takes us 24 hours or 48 hours to actually send them something or contact them, there's a good chance they've even forgotten at that by that point that they requested the information in the first place. So the faster that you follow up with somebody, the better. And that actually leads us to mistake number 10 which is what I call slow follow-up. So number nine, mistake number nine, no follow-up. Mistake number 10, slow follow-up. If you don't follow up with people within 24 hours, your prospect will likely forget about most of what you talked about, If even if you reach out to them right away. People are extremely busy. If you follow up a week after you first speak, then you'll, you'll spend most of the time that you're communicating with your your prospect, refreshing that person's memory about what you talked about the last time. You may also have a tough time getting them to return a phone call or respond to a text or respond to an email. I call this the enthusiasm lag. When you speak with a prospective client or customer and you identify a challenge, that person gets excited about the solution that you offer. However, the moment that you end the conversation, that excitement starts to kind of lower down. The longer you wait to follow up, the lower the excitement will be. So during your conversation, that person is at a 100, scale of 100, zero to 100, they're at 100 on the enthusiasm level. Once you hang up the phone, the enthusiasm level drops to maybe 70. And then by the time you call in the morning, the person has dropped to about a 50. The next day, the person has a 20 and then a 10 and then a 1. So if you catch that person at the 50 level and reiterate what you talked about the previous day, you may get her back up to an 80. However, if you catch her at at a one, you're going to have a really difficult time getting her even back to the 50 level again. 
Keep in mind that website visitors are even less forgiving. Remember that people have a short attention span. So if you don't respond to them within a few minutes, they're going to forget about you entirely. When, when we surf the internet, we're looking for solutions to our problems. We want instant gratification. If we don't get that instant gratification, we just move on to the next site on Google. So basically, you want to follow up quickly with your prospects and you'll increase your sales dramatically. One of the best ways, by the way, to gain new customers is to use speed to your advantage. For instance, our instructors often catch people off guard at how fast they turn around and reach out as as soon as a lead hits our system. Somebody fills out one of our web forms, a lot of times within five, 10 minutes or so, they're getting a phone call from us. And your rapid connection is a great tool to gain new and potential repeat business. So basically what you want to do is just solve a few of these small business lead generation mistakes out of the 10. Even if you just conquer one or two or three of these, you're going to increase your sales pretty dramatically. Your company growth will also improve very quickly. The main thing to consider, though, is to become a problem solver for your customers. If you can identify challenges and offer solutions for these challenges, then you're going to generate a ton of new customers. So don't sell. Instead, be a respected consultant for your clients and customers, and they're going to love you and they're going to refer a ton of business to you. So thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.